Good morning and welcome to another edition of Guide Day here on BTL. This is actually the third Guide Day of the 2024 season, a new addition to the BTL family running. We're starting every Friday. Eventually, it's going to uh, to peel off to be uh, probably every other Friday, but I wanted to kind of get in the swing of things, talk to a bunch of different guides from across the country, kind of give people an idea of what they can expect if they're traveling for business, if they're looking to take a destination trip. We kicked off with uh, some exotics and the Florida fishing uh, with Captain Justin Jones down in Florida with the clown knife fish and the peacocks and the Okeechobee bass, both on artificial and uh, the golden shiners. Uh, and then... Uh, we transitioned to Big JP, who is up in New York, who kind of does the destination trip for the giant smallmouth. And now we're going to get right into the guts of it, right into the middle of the country, what I would consider, just based on my knowledge uh, and the, the people that I know in that part, probably one of the toughest, uh, but also most rewarding places to guide. And that is on the TVA, the Tennessee uh, Valley Authority, the river systems. There's a bunch of lakes down there, and a guy who's been doing it for a long time, both in the tournament scene and the guiding scene, is Jimmy Mason, who we have joining us. Jimmy, uh, thank you. We're taking advantage of this weather. You got some time off the water. Thanks for jumping on Guide Day. Hey, Matt. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Is that a fair assessment? One of the toughest. Now, I know you're probably going to be a little bit biased, but you know, you look, you guide on Wheeler, Wilson, Pickwick, Gunnersville. To me. There are tons of guides. There are tons of guys who fish that, who think that they could be guides. And there's just a lot of competition and a lot of different fisheries. Yeah, it is. You know, and every year you'll have a few new ones come along and you'll have some guys that drop off. So it it can be, you know, there's a number of us that work together that are all long term. And, and uh, I think that helps is when you've got that established network that helps each other. And but yeah, it can be. Uh, just a little bit of background. I mentioned the, the fisheries you guide on, but you're a lifelong uh, tournament angler. Now, you fish the Elite Series, I believe, in 07, the FLW Tour in 06. You fish like 80 Opens and a billion BFLs. Like, you're you're addicted to tournament fishing and always have been. Is that safe to say? <laughs> yeah, I like it. You know, and that's that's kind of the... the kind of what led me into guiding is I, uh, I've got an engineering degree and work full-time in, in Huntsville. You know, Huntsville's a big tech center, and and when I won the ABA national championship back in 03, um, it kind of, you know, I got a slot in the following year's opens and, and the company, I had taken a bunch of time off ab above my vacation. And so the, uh, fished the opens, made the top one fifties of my first year fishing them. And, and it came down to my company said either they were, they were going through downsizing. So I took a severance and, and I had guided in college a lot. So I went back to, to guiding and fishing, fishing tournaments. What got you into guiding in college family thing, or just spent a lot of time on the water or what was it like back in the early 2000s? Just a lot of time 90s? on the water. Really? Just a lot of time on the water. Back then it, I only guided on Wheeler and I, and I didn't do it a lot. Maybe, you know, 25 days a year, but just, just, uh, you know, pay, help pay the way through college. Yeah. That had to be like, put your business card in tackle shops and word of mouth back then was, I'm not trying to date it, you, Jimmy, but I mean, now it's man, totally man, different. It world. was, it, it was, it was way different than now. And, and how would you, you just word of mouth and hang out at tackle shops and get guide trips that way. Because I would imagine if you're college and you're young, still the TVA still had to be a lot of guiding competition back then. Really? It wasn't man. And, and maybe one other one on Wheeler. And, um, I live, you know, at the time I grew up just 
you know, two or three miles from one of the Alabama's big state parks. So a lot of my business then came through the people that were staying at the state park. And uh, so that that really is what did it. So when you started, there was one other guide on Wheeler. Like how many guides would you say there were totally on the whole TVA system, like less than 50? Because now there's like 50 oh. on each one, right? No, not that many. You know, like Wheeler, there's there's maybe... 10 of us that guide any at all on Wheeler. And it's kind of funny. I live on Wheeler. Um, my son's name Wheeler. And that's the oh, lake. Wow. I oh, we lost Jimmy. Jimmy's he's... back. Got you. Yep. I got you again now. Um, Wheeler, there might be 10. Wilson, there's there's maybe 10. But Pickwick, you know, there's, there's more. There's probably 20. And then Gunnersville is probably closer to 40. Okay, so there's roughly on that stretch, there's 60, 70 guides. Are you are there a bunch of guys that guide on all four like you do, or a lot of is it mainly specific bodies of water? And just because of your familiarity with it, you kind of mix and match based on what's going on. It's mainly it's mainly guys that'll do specific, you know. All right. Uh talk a little bit about the tournament dynamic. I mentioned your your uh, tournament scene what percentage of your your clients are new to bass fishing what percentage are fun fishermen and what percentage are guys uh that tournament fish that you take out you know i guess prior to their tournaments or that want to become better tournament fishermen because like i said you also tournament fish and i know that in circles that gets talked about a lot uh some guides are a hundred percent cool with guys being like hey i i want to learn this body of water better and they're open about tournament fishermen some guys uh like you do like a Josh Douglas up in Minnesota. He's like, no tournament fishermen have to be from out of state and book multiple days in advance. Kind of where do you stand on that? And what's your distribution of clients? You know, man, it's probably like that. The, the tournament guys is probably my least percentage that I do. Okay. I, I might be 10% on that. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe 15 some years, but overall it, that's the lowest percentage. You know, I do a lot of corporate guiding. Uh, that's probably my, I'm probably, I'm about 70, 75% repeat. So uh, the majority of my clients are guys that I fished with a lot in the past and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, a good percentage of them, you know, probably at least 50% of mine is corporate, you know, where guys are bringing clients in to entertain. Um, they're bringing, you know, it's, they use it for rewards for their employees and, uh, so it's a lot of that, but the tournaments is probably the least, you know, and, but I've had, you know, I've had, uh, guys win boats, the guys that I've taken win boats before. And, um, you know, guys make, you know, their major championships that they were coming <laughs> here competing for and, you know, guys making, um, you know, their national championships that they were fishing for and, in those, you know, I actually had one one client made the Bassmaster Classic fishing with me before uh, one of the uh, the Federation Nationals here, you know, and and I uh, that was that was really special right there. That's neat. It's a really diverse kind of section of the country. For those who aren't familiar with the TVA, just kind of, and I'm going to pull it up here on uh, on on the map, but just kind of explain the section of the country that you guide in and what makes, uh, the TVA fisheries so unique, uh, compared to any other kind of, I would call it, would you call it a system? Uh, it, is. It, it is a system. And the neat thing about it is of the four lakes that you mentioned that I guide on, every one of them is different and, and they fish so differently. And, and, uh, 
it, it's it's a very cool deal. You know, Gunnersville is different than Wheeler, and and you know, Gunnersville and, and Wheeler are kind of similar in a way, but Gunnersville doesn't have the drawdown like Wheeler. So with Wheeler, you know, you deal with a six foot drawdown, where Gunnersville you feel, deal with eighteen inch drawdown, and you've got the lower end of Wheeler's kind of like a bowl. Same way with Wilson, it's like a big bowl where there's very little offshore structure away from the bank, and and then you've got Pickwick, which is probably more like a combination of Gunnersville and Pick and Gunnersville and Wheeler because it, it sets up like Gunnersville, but it has a the six foot drawdown. So it's it's a very diverse fishery, and and uh, one of the things that's so important is is the current, you know, and um, it is one of those deals where like I always say the current's the dinner bell, and and you can be having some stellar days with clients, and then they cut the water off and you know, it's it's one of those things that that uh, you, every day is different, and and that's one of the things that we say a lot, and it's it's true here, you know, because it's so much current dependent, and it's it's a neat fishery. So will will those fisheries all have different current at the same time? Like, could it could it be popping off on on Wheeler, but not moving on Pickwick, or is it? kind of all move through that system like do you pick do you have guys who call and say hey i want to guide with you and you go all right you look at the generation schedule and say we need to be on wilson today we need to be on pickwick tomorrow that type of thing yeah. or okay yeah and, and a lot of time too that it's relating to water level you know because like i said pickwick they'll have a, a six foot six foot foot fluctuation where wilson is more like about 18 so uh there are times you pick one over the other based upon the water level Okay. And then is it, is, is it majority bass that you do? I know, uh, I was doing a little research before you do like white bass trips and stuff too, but are the majority, I mean, you guys slinging artificials for, for bass on most of these trips? Most of them, you know, in the summertime, I do a ton of white bass trips and, and that is turned into one of my favorite deals. And I think part of that's because, you know, the, like our kids are 10 and 11 now and, um, my son is eat up with fishing and, and, I take him and his buddies white bass fishing a lot. And, and I've got to where I've been offering that a lot the last three or four years. And, you know, three hours in the morning, three hours the evening, you'll catch anywhere from 100 to 200 in, in three hours. And a lot of them are on top water. So it's, it's, it's just so much fun. And kids love it. I do a lot of trips with kids. And funny story this summer, I took a corporate client of mine. He's got a nine year old daughter. And uh, we got started a little earlier than I than the usual, and I told him it'd be slow for the first hour. Well, the first hour she had caught seventy five, and um, I mean it was just unbelievable every cast. And then this this you know storm popped up, and it's just like pouring buckets. And she's nine, and she refuses to go in. And like it wasn't supposed to rain. I didn't. I had taken the rain suits out of the boat. And like we're all soaked and she won't quit. And you know, she did like six or seven more trips this fall. I mean that this summer after that. But it was, you know, that was her first very first fishing trip. And now she's she's hooked. And and that was a really, really cool deal. And those are all do you guys have you guys have hybrids and stripers in some of those lakes, don't you? We we do. The biggest the biggest striper that I had, saltwater that I had a client catch this year was twenty seven and and uh that was actually on like a shad spawn largemouth trip and man it was when they hit that that spook it was it was like a you know you hear those bowling ball out of the sky bites and that was definitely one of them uh okay here's what I, here's what i'm really interested in talking with you about so uh 
the smallmouth fishing it has mm-hmm. been good there, but but to me, just from the outside, and I've fished a, uh, opens over the past couple years on uh, Pickwick and Wheeler, it seems like there is a booming smallmouth population on some of these fisheries that is very targetable and looks ridiculously fun, whether it's tail race fishing, uh, whether it's offshore bar fish like it seems like the smallmouth have really exploded over the last couple years have you noticed that and is that something that you target a lot you know it's really good and that's that's kind of one of the things that you know myself i got one of the buddies i got with brent crow you know myself and brent kind of have the reputation of of the two most noted smallmouth guides and and um it is yes it is it is good it's it's down just a little bit from a few years ago, uh, but it's it's kind of, you know, I think it's coming back. We, we've had a good, several good spawns in a row, caught a lot of small ones the last couple of years. So I think you're going to see um, it come back as good as it was. Now, like 10, 11, and 12 were, were phenomenal years. I mean, this year was good. I had like, I think I had 39 clients this year catch one over six. A smallmouth um, over. Wait a second. Say that again. So, thirty-nine of your clients this past year caught a smallmouth over six pounds. Yeah, that's like northern numbers, dude. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, like this fall in, in uh, November, in one stretch, I had I had eleven six-pound smallmouth caught in a week, and, and I actually had two different clients catch two over six that in that stretch. So what? What's the, I'm not, don't give away trade secrets, but what kind of fishing are we talking about? Is it finesse smallmouth fishing or are you power fishing these things with, with swim baits and moving baits and sw- swim in the, current? In, in the spring, it's, you know, in the spring and, and uh, from February through, I, I, now we do live bait fish here. Uh, okay. in, oh, that's in the interesting. Fall. I didn't know that. Yeah, just in the fall. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those, I always say it's a, kind of a Tennessee River fishing. Um, but like October, Late September, October, November, probably about half of my trips are live bait with, you know, yellowtail shad. That's the only time of the year I do it. Uh, but it's it's so much fun, you know, especially because you fished all year with artificials and mm-hmm. having to do so much different, you know, and be prepared in so many different, you know, rods and reels and baits in the boat. And then, then come September uh, through late September through November, I mean, basically you got four spinning rods. You know, if you got th- two clients in the boat, you'll have two spinning rods each with eight pound, eight pound test and and uh, you know live bait, and it, it's addictive. Is that more c- a consistent bite then? Like, let's say you're out with, with yeah, it, it's extreme. Wife, I mean, like kid, you know, you'll you'll catch honestly that time of year. You know, the the artificial bait fishing can be a lot tougher. Yeah, uh, and and you'll catch twice what you catch, minimum of twice, probably closer to three times what you will on our own artificial i never even but you know it's really it's really it's really there's a lot of art to the live bait fishing you know at times you can set the boat up where like a person on on in the front of the boat doesn't get a bite and the guy in the back of the boat gets all the bites or vice versa so it's 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 more precise than a lot of you know a lot of people hear the term Mm -hmm. live bait fishing and Man, it's and, and honestly now with the forward-facing sonar and electronics, I mean it's that that adds to it even more, you know. And and now you know you learn just like everybody talks with forward-facing. I mean you learn so much about the fish with it. 
is that mainly smallmouth though, or is that like anything that swims in there? Because you I would imagine catch anything that swims. I mean, a lot of days you'll catch seven to eight species, and and uh, just you get a lot of bites. And you know, just like in the Great Lakes, I mean, you catch so many sheep's head, you know, drum, sheep's head, whatever they call them up there. And and you uh, same way here. But like I tell a lot of clients, and you know, you catch a number of eight or 10 pounds of those in a day, those get you ready for when that six pound smallmouth bites. And a lot of, you know, a lot of times I think guys are much better at fighting fish and landing fish after they've, mm -hmm. they've live bait fished and, and caught up and got a bunch of bites, you know? All right. Uh, that kind of got me off track with the live bait, but you're kind of describing the seasons specifically with the smallmouth. I'm interested in kind of going back on what you do kind of winter and spring wise, like when's the best time to go? Like if I have never tangled, like I, I fished all these and I think the biggest smallmouth I've ever caught is like three pounds, Jimmy. It's really bad. I always go after spotted bass and easy largemouth because <laughs> I'm scared because I'm scared at it open. I'm trying to fish for points there, but when is kind of the best time, uh, if you wanted to jump in the boat with you and do like a, a small mouth trip, when is the best time when, when you would like a guy with you? Mid November, or I'm sorry, mid February through uh, the 1st of May is, oh, is so that's coming up. up. Yeah, it's coming up. Are you like booked out already for that or? I've got, uh, I am, I have two days left open in April. Okay. So you so. gotta get on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that. and that's that's one of those funny things. Like so often, um, the majority of my clients that I fish with, in you know, that I have in March during that time period, have fished with me. You know, the last four to seven years during that time period, and and uh, they just rebook the same dates. I'll always wait till the tournament schedules come out. Uh, you know, because we have a lot of tournaments here in Alabama that you that you can win really good money and not have to travel as much, and and that's that's one of the reasons that I haven't fished as much like the opens and, and, uh, and I'll cause you know, uh, but I'll wait till the tournament schedule come out and then I'll start book call, you know, sending out text in a certain order, you know, guys that have fished with me the longest then where they can solidify their dates first. Yeah. You mentioned the tournaments. That's something uh, that I know certain people have are nervous about is they, they want to go on a trip regardless of where it is, but they don't want to book on top of a major tournament. They don't want to be out there with 300 boats. Talk about how you deal with that because at some point on any of those four lakes, there's 150 to 300 boat tournament, high school, college, ABAs, MLFs, Bassmasters, something's always going on on these TVA fisheries. So how do you work around the pressure, especially in that pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn post period when all these lakes are kind of at their prime? Well, it, it's one of those things you try to, there are certain times that you'll avoid a certain lake one week, you know, okay. like if, you know, I try not to fish during the opens or, you know, the, in the lead or whatever, you know, like on Pickwick this year, you got the college national championship in, yep. in, um, in May. So I'll do everything on, on Gunnersville that probably, I mean, I think I've booked majority of that week on Gunnersville so far. And, uh, you try to avoid that. Cause I mean, you know, you, you, you don't want your clients to have to deal with not being able to fish where you want or uh, just deal with that frustration as much as possible. You know, cause some of these guys are coming from out of state. And, uh, so you don't want, you want them to have the best, the best possible trip possible. You know, you mentioned uh, the return guide clients. What can a, a 
client do to develop a relationship with that guide, to have that guide for years to come? Talk about in your mind what makes a good client and what makes you want to get back in the boat with them and what makes a good client guide relationship. You know, it's, it's just like any other, um, I mean, it's just like any other relationship, you know, you, it's a lot of conversation and, and, you know, it's, you look at, you look at your clients as your friends, especially the one, you know, mm-hmm. cause I've got, I've got a number that, that I fish with 10 times a year that I've fished with for 15 years. So, I mean, they become like, you know, almost like really close. I mean, they become really close friends. They become fam, almost like family, you know, and, and uh, just, you know, basically just cutting up and, and having a good time. It's like, you know, you treat it like you're fishing with a friend, you know, it's got a point. Uh, the point is for them to have a great time. And the point is for them to, one of the most important things on that first guide trip is finding out what their objective is. You know, if it's to learn a specific thing, if it is uh, trying to catch that fish of a lifetime, it's, if it's to entertain a client, you know, and, and, um, you know, one of the things, I mean, I know Gleason, you know, Daryl's a good friend of mine and I was listening to the BTL he was on and, and, uh, there was something mentioned about keeping a, uh, a log of what different clients like. And, and he mentioned that sound, it's like something I would do, but honestly, <laughs> the little things like that, like, you know, I mean, I've got certain clients who one of them, he, he loves oat and honey bars. And, and, uh, so whenever and, and he's about a 15, 15 trip a year guy. So I will make nightmare sure. in the boat, Jimmy, you can't huh? eat an oat and honey. You can't eat an oat and honey bar without getting it all over the boat. It's impossible to eat one of those without the back half crumbling. <laughs> well, like I said, he's about a 15 <laughs> trip a year guy and, and a um, great client, great friend. So I'll always have them in the boat. Yep. You know, there's another client that's a frequent client. He likes Nikot crackers. So I'll always have them with him. So Remembering those little things. Another thing I like to do is when a client catches a six pound smallmouth or, or a real notable fish, I'll have an eight by 10 made and send to them. And, and, um, uh, just as where they see that fish on the wall, they think about fishing with me, you know, that, that's the other thing you mentioned all these big fish, but I remember the first time that I went to Gunnersville and I just expected it to just be I expected it to be like the greatest thing I'd ever seen because you you watch the guys go down there and ski Reese catch you a hundred pounds and you see all the eight and 10 pounders managing expectations on fisheries that are historic where big fish live has to be a big part of your job because I've spent a lot of days out there with good guys where I'm like, dude, I caught like 11 pounds today and had five bites and I'm on Gunnersville. Like you have to deal with those days too. Talk a little bit about the uh, management of expectations on his, such historic fisheries like a Pickwick or a Gunnersville, specifically those two. Man, that's that's huge. That that is huge. Especially the hardest part is when you've got lakes that kind of when the lakes go into a down cycle a little bit, mm-hmm. and every lake does. Uh, fortunately, here you know with the four lakes, there's always there's always one that's on an upswing when the other is on a downswing, and uh, you know, right now that's, that's Gunnersville. So Gunnersville's probably fishing as good as it has in 10 years. So, but the, sometimes some of the hardest trips are the trips when you've had guys that have had just stellar days in the past, you know, two or three years ago, and they come back to the lake and when it's on like a little downturn and it's, 
you know, not as good as it was. But, you know, uh, a lot of my clients are really serious fishermen. And, and uh, you know, one of them in particular is probably one of the most well-traveled fishermen that I know anywhere. His theory is to hit the epic days, you got to be willing to it's a 50 50 chance you're going to hit a bad day. And, and like, so he always tries to book on the very front end of when he, of when he expects the fish movement to happen, knowing that he might be booking early. Mm-hmm. Um, and to him, it's, it's worth it to come and, and have two days when they hadn't made the move yet, but they're fixing to, because the days that you hit when they make that big massive move up, it's the days you remember 20 years from now, you know, in particular, like probably the best smallmouth guide day I've ever had was with him. Um, and, and he, this is a, he records all the fish we catch, weighs them. And, uh, I, I actually have a pick the, a copy of the paper that he recorded that day. Like our best 20 smallmouth day, that day weighed 99. He had a seven fourteen, and, uh, and I had a seven one. Um, and the, the, the person he had with him had two over six and we had one more over six. So it was, it was, it was the you day of a, a lifetime. 38 pound bag of smallmouth. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. Best five. Best five. Uh, okay. So here's a question also that you hear people say, well, why don't guides win every single tournament that they enter? And like you fish a bunch of tournaments too, and you've had a lot of success, but talk about the difference between a guide day and then a tournament day in, in your mind. You know, man, and, and that's one of those things you always see, like in the rules at different tournaments, yeah. you know, where there's, no, there's guide. no guide, the no guide rule. Honestly, I always say that the the person that ha- that's the most dangerous is the retired guy that moved to the lake or the retired <laughs> guy, because, you know, they, uh, for when you're guiding, you're not necessarily hunting tournament winning fish as much. It's, it's for the most part, it's, it's about the guys getting bites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I tell people a lot, you know, like the more I've guided, the worse I've got at deep cranking, but the better I've got at my, at, at the spinning rod fishing, because so often bites are, are, are the most important thing. And, and, um, it's just like in the summertime, you know, the majority of your clients, when you're deep fishing, I mean, if you give a guy, all right, we're going to go throw a big fat free shed or a, a, a DD 22 all day and catch 10 good ones, or we're going to go and, and drop shot and you're going to catch 50 or 60. They're going to pick that drop shot. And so a lot of times, I mean, you're guiding, you're not necessarily looking for that tournament grade of fish. That was the other question. The midsummer can be stifling there but you guide 12 months out of the year right through kind of those dog days of of summer yep is that a deal where if if you're i'm just thinking if you're you know gonna watch a a major event that's taking place on a wheeler a gunnersville a pickwick or something you can call and jump on one of the different lakes with you for a couple days and then go watch the weigh-in or you know fish on a different lake that day and then go watch the weigh-in for the elite series or the bpt on that afternoon like that'd be a fun trip especially with so many of those tva fisheries within an hour drive of each other yeah for sure you know just like the the elite this year at at wheeler the elite this year at smith i mean you know that that smith time period is one of those when the white bass bites so good and and you can go and have just a, a killer three hours in the morning and, and, um, 
you know, then go, like you say, go clean up and go to weigh in. One of those deals where some guys bring their own stuff and you supply it if they don't have it or if they're in for a corporate event or how does that work? Yeah, I have everything. You know, I tell guys if, if there's certain rods and reel you want to fish with, bring them. Otherwise, you know, I'll have everything rigged in the boat, you know, and a mixture of whatever, you know, if I find out if they want left-hand bait casters or right-hand bait casters and, uh, and then, of course, the spinning. And even, then, got some, even got some 33s rigged up. Hey, don't knock 33. You've had some giants caught on the 33s where they just keep reeling and never stop, and all of a sudden they reeled a six-pounder right up to the dang rod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, in wacky rig season and, and that. Do you do trips like say someone does call and say, hey, I don't I don't care how what we want to catch, but I do want to learn how to deep crank ledges or I want to learn how to throw a football on shell or I want to you do those trips as well too, more educational. There's no focus on catching catching absolutely. numbers. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and uh and that goes back to what I said earlier about you know, you want to find out what their expectations yeah. of the day are and what their what their goal for the day is. Uh Largemouth wise, like which one of those would you say is popping off right now for largemouth? Gunnersville. Is it Gunnersville? A hundred percent. And and that's just a cycle of good spawns and the uh, and Pickwick got hot and Wheeler got hot, so there's maybe a little bit less pressure. They had a couple of good spawns. The grass is back and there's been a steady flow through that yeah. lake and it just I think Gunnersville's probably the best it's been in ten years and, and I keep a I, I keep a, a camper over there in the in on the lake and have been you know had it there close to 20 years and uh i think it's probably as good as it's been in 10 years you know the uh the toyota series that's that's next month the weights will be just unbelievable in it how does that lake continue to produce and not succumb to so much pressure Man. i mean that the, the boat ramps are packed every single time and every single day of the year, unless it's like an apocalypse. And then there's only a hundred guys out there going, look, I'm fishing in the snow. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is unbelievable. And, and, you know, and it's, it's a lot, it, it, you know, every area of the country has got really good fishermen, but it seems like, you know, we're one of those pockets where there's so many good fishermen. And, and that's one of those where you've got so many good fishermen fishing the lake. And, um, that lake is just outstanding, man. Is that is that amazing to you too? Do you sit around and go, "How does this lake keep pumping out such healthy, yeah. good looking?" You know, fish? a lot of people cuss the eel grass. You know, we, the grass has changed over there. Of course, you now if I could go back and bring it back to the old days when it was hydrilla and millful, I would love to have that. I mean, because it was so much more fun to fish for me, especially like the frog bite. But you know, the the eel grass came in. 10 to 12 15 years ago now and it and it's it's become the dominant grass and it's a pain it can be more of a pain especially fi uh fishing a a bait with treble hooks through it you know a lot of times you have to change to a frog instead of a topwater in the summer and fishing just over not because not because it's mats because it's mats of floating neograss but um it, it's it's doing a great job protecting the fry and getting a lot of fish up to you know, protecting a lot of fish up to their near adults. Is that if you wanted to do the heavy punch and the frog trip, is that where you go in the summer? Yeah. And, and you know, Pickwick, honestly, Pickwick has got this past year on Pickwick. It was the, the grass was really good. We didn't have a lot of rain this past year and didn't have any floods last spring. So the hydrilla grew back on Pickwick better than it's been in a number of years. And 
I feel like we, you know, we had a, a great spawn last year on Pickwick. I feel like you're going to see, uh, uh, I mean, the winter trail weights have been really good. I mean, um, Saturday was probably the lowest that I've seen. Uh, I was down there tagging fish for the bass cash bash Saturday for it. And it was 23 one. And that was the lowest winning weight of the year. So far the, of the winter trail had been taken like the, the tournament before two weeks before there was 11 bags over 20. So the winter weights are really good. Uh, so I hope, I mean, I feel like with the uh, the grass coming back like it did at Pickwick, we're going to have a, a really great there this year. I'm interested in Wilson. The only thing I know about Wilson is you can lock through and catch him below the dam. Is Wilson a good <laughs> fishery as the whole thing, or is there literally just one spot on Wilson and it's just if they're biting down there? Because that out of those three, Guttersville and Pickwick, Wheeler seems to be in a in a really solid cycle Uh right now too as far as weights we saw with the open this year here but wilson's to me is the one that kind of gets left out of that talk a little bit about wilson and then when it, when Wilson, you like to be on wilson i like wilson a lot i mean it's a lake i fish a lot mm-hmm. um wilson is a neat neat lake it doesn't fluctuate it, it's very little offshore structure um it's a lot of deep deep bank grass so you got you know, like the water willow grass in it, you'll have it out into five to six foot. And, um, I mean, it's just a great, it's a fun, like, and it's full of fish. I mean, you don't have to fish the tail race. I mean, a lot of the, this time of year, a lot of the bigger bags aren't coming in the tail race. So, I mean, they get on the bluffs really good. They get on the docks really good. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a fun lake to fish. You catch a man, you-, you can go like, you can take a shaky head down the bluffs. You can take a, you know, a moving bait down the bluffs. You can, fish docks i mean it's a lot of different ways to catch them do you enjoy doing the tail race thing or is that a little stressful? no i like hey you know you get aggravated sometimes with um i say aggravated you know you, it's just like any other area sometimes mm-hmm. that they can can be crowded you just have to you know just work around and and um and, and you know just avoid you know other boats or just kind of you know give everybody their space and all that you know but i enjoy it uh do you have a website? I was looking for it. I don't know. If yeah, I, I, it's it's being rebuilt right now. Okay. Uh, it's gonna be it'll be back live Monday. I have I've okay. had a a company building a new one this this winter, so but it'll, it'll be back up Monday. It's uh, www.jimmymasonbasspro.com. Okay. One second. B a s s p r o dot com. Jimmymasonbasspro.com. Then can also get a hold of you on your social medias. Yeah. Okay. And yep. do you do like fishing reports and updates if people want to kind of keep up to, to what's going on on the lakes or. So, you know, I do, I, I mean, I, I post on Facebook some, you know, it's kind of the, that's one of the things you were talking about the competition between a lot of the guides. I mean, yeah. a lot of the, one of the things I always say, the busiest guides post the least and, um, and that's kind of the way it is around here, just because, I mean, sometimes you want to fly under the radar just a little bit with other people, um, especially during them peak times. A lot of times I'll make, you know, I'll, I'll post after like a particular bite's over. You're really good about uh, marketing. Like I mentioned this on a BTL a while ago, like you can't like open up a magazine, watch a TV show, like you're all over for like, the Pradco and Booyah, all sorts of different stuff. Like you do a lot of behind the scenes PR stuff and working with your sponsors as well, because for, you know, you're, you're heavily sponsored on the fishing side and the guide side, probably one of the most, uh, and it obviously goes back to your pedigree and what you've done over the course of your career. But for a guide, you do a lot in the industry as well. You know, you, you, 
that's one of those things I try to work real hard at and, and develop the relationships. And, and like Daryl said that, you know, that when y'all were talking, it, it is all about relationships and getting to know people. And, um, and, and it's, you definitely work hard with it. Yeah. Uh, and you'll have all the rates up on your website. Like what, it, like, what does it run if I want to go do a three hour white bass deal in the morning? Like, cause that sounds ridiculously fun. If, especially if I had kids, which I do not, but <laughs> if I did uh, like, that would be awesome. Especially you're going through the area, get a half day in, catch 50 fish and be on your way. hundred percent. That's two fifty for actually oh, wow. I advertise it as two and a half hours, but that's two fifty for two and a half hours. And, okay. and, uh, but I'm one of those guys that a lot of times I run over a little bit. Um, a four hour trip is three fifty, and then an eight hour trip is, is four fifty. Wow. Is that all standardized across the area? I mean, you got so many guides. I'd imagine the competition would have to be there. Do you guys do a pretty good job of standardizing? Cause in Oklahoma and Texas right now, we're running into guys who are 1500 to 2000 for specialty trips. Then there's like the standard where the standard's 750 in some parts of the country at 600 or another. It seems to be all over the board. It, it is. And that's pretty much the standard standardized rate here, at least with the group of guys that I work yeah. with. I don't really know any that's any of the mainstream guides here that are that are much higher than that. And um, like I said, and I, you know, uh, that that's typically the standard. If you're bass fishing, do you prefer a guy who who books a full day or a half day, or does it not matter to you? Like, what do you, if you're going to get, in your opinion, the most bang for the buck where you can really get into it, immersed in it? Can you do that in a half day trip, or is do you prefer to get out there and say, all right, we got some time to get this guy dialed in? Or well, you know, a lot of times, especially with the current, um, there'll be a peak feeding period and then they'll shut the current at certain times of year when they cut the current off. I mean, that's one of the things that's hardest. And you try to kind of let people know, are they going to bite really good till 11? And then the yeah. current's going to cut back in half. And then there's going to be three or four hours where they don't um, or vice versa. You know, they may, they cut the current on and at a certain time of day. And, and um, I mean, it's one of those that sometimes that last few hours, you don't catch near as many. You have to really scramble around, slow down, whatever. And um, it, I personally prefer the eight hour days, but at times, you know, especially like in the shad spawn time period, um, that time, you know, a lot of times you four hours, I mean, it, you blister them for the first for four hours and, uh, you know, the person's called all they want to and they're ready to go in. And it's that's always fun, too. All right. Talk. I'm glad you mentioned that. For those who don't know what a shad spawn on the TVA is like, describe a good shad spawn scenario, like in the prime, what you can expect. You know, it, it's that's one of those you're at the boat ramp <laughs> and it's still dark when you get to the boat ramp and you try to get on. the. I mean, you're on the water with your lights on and you're trying to get on, you know, the grass lines or the rock or wherever you feel like wherever the shad are spawning and. And you want to be there at the crack of daylight and, and, uh, and it's, it's game on for the first, you know, two to three hours. And, uh, it's amazing, especially when you got guys that don't fish a lot, how that light switch effect is, you know, it's like how, how surprising it can be. But I mean, it's, it's just a furry fury of feeding, you know, and, and there it's, it's such a fun time of year to, you know, you catch them on top, you catch them on a, you know, the booyah spinnerbait. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a fun time of year to fish. It's a bite that in my opinion, 
the first hour and a half can make your entire day. Like I, I vividly remember like the first one that I saw on Pickwick and I was like, my God, this is like piranhas. Like you get on it a stretch and they're literally, there's billions of shad up there and you have no idea how they can see it, but you're either throwing a swim jig or a buzz bait or a little crank bait and they are actively hunting your lure down. Yeah. And the cool thing about the shad spawn and correct me if I'm wrong here is it could be a seven or it could be a 13 incher and they all mix yeah. in with these and they all just go haywire for a couple hours. Absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, like you'll start feeling, you know, just a little hits on your baits, but like throwing a spinner bait. And that's one of the things, especially if like you're, you're searching for it. Uh, a spinner bait is my favorite bait to throw. And, and you, when you start feeling those little like short strikes or little where the, the shad are hitting your blade and causing that disturbance of the blade, you know, you're really close to getting bit and, uh, and you'll, you know, you'll re retrieve your spinnerbait in and there'll be a little cloud of shad around it. I mean, it's fixing to be game on and that's just, that's so fun. All right. Shad wise on Wheeler. What are the ones with the little yellow, the yellow on them? Like that one, a, I'd never seen one of those thin. before, but it's got like yellow on it. Yeah, that's there's the ones that thing. look like ones out of grand though that like don't have any yellow on it, and they're smaller. Our and thread thing to get up to about four inches, and they'll have okay. that that uh, chartreuse stripe down it. You know, you okay. locally you'll hear them called yellow tails. Okay, that um, was it then. So it's a little bit different than what we have in Oklahoma because those things came in, and you know, you snag one, and you're like, holy cow, like I need to be throwing something with chartreuse. <laughs> yeah, that's why, like you know, the the foxy shad and. That little the the shad baits with that little chartreuse stripe down them. That's that's from the shad. That's from the thread fins, the yellowtails. Yeah, and then you also have gizzards, and then skip skipjack herring. Yeah, skipjack, and you know what's funny about that is like that there's become an industry around here uh, of people catching the skipjack, and, and mm. it's it's crazy how many guys that sometimes fishing the tail race. That's actually the hardest thing to do is get around the get away from the skipjack fishermen because they're they're catching them and selling them for catfishing now wheeler is one of the just tremendous catfish lakes and there's there's a lot of catfish tournaments here now and like big i mean we're talking about you know a lot of them pay twenty thousand dollars and uh you'll have before those tournaments you'll have 20 boats in the tail races you know anchored skipjack fishing and so it's 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 kind of crazy but yeah i mean they're the the smallmouth eat those a lot too. Uh, I am fairly certain, and I'm going to show it to you here that I caught a potential state record skipjack out of uh, out of Wheeler this year. Really? <laughs> Is that a big one? That's a big one. Here. That's a big one. Yeah, that's like, that was like I. It was probably about like a two and a half pounder. Yeah, that's a giant. That was a fight too, wasn't it? Yeah, it. I, you're never going to believe what I caught it on. I caught it on a wacky worm on the bridge, which shows you why I finished 100 in that tournament because I was wacky <laughs> worm in a bridge. But I was reeling it in and one just, just like, and I, I knew what it was. But I mean, like, is that a, that's a, is that a, a would you consider that a trophy skipjack? Yeah, it's a big one. That's right. a big one. How do you guys you know it? Do what now? Uh, go ahead. I just said, do guys throw like little crappie jigs or spinners or something if they're targeting those? A lot of sabiki rigs. Okay, yeah. Oh, uh, it's you know I, I listened to your uh, BTL when you were talking about that tournament and and that bridge. 
that I went over that bridge yesterday and it's fro from the bridge back. It's frozen right now. Really? Yeah. 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 You guys are in a, yeah, that's why you're not on the water probably today. It's just because of the, uh, because of that weather that comes through there. Yeah. I'm, I'm fishing. The, we've got a, an Alabama bass trail 100 this weekend and, and, um, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow for that to go down to Logan Martin. It's going to be cold down there for that. But, um, my new, I actually, I always, I usually take some time off in December and January and do some, uh, engineering work with hummingbird on the, on the Lake master side, just to kind of keep my resume fresh and, you know, guiding over 200 days a year, you need a little break. Um, so I always take that, you know, my new boat will be here next week and, um, and it'll be wide open after that. What do you fish out of? I try, I mean, I'm sorry, Phoenix. Okay. So brand new Phoenix nine. Yeah, I got a, this will be my 14th. I fished out of Triton, Triton before that. This is my 14th Phoenix. Any desire to uh, get back on the elite series or the top level there? Is that something that you did? I'm glad I did it. My son, you know, he's 11. He, of course he wants me to, he would like for me to, and I've requalified once. I think I've, once or twice, I know once, maybe twice since I did it and since I quit fishing and I, I turned that invitation down and um, not really. I mean, there's so much good stuff around here to fish. I mean, like since, you know, my, my team partner and I have won four boats since, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since I quit fishing them. And there's so much good stuff around here where you can, you know, win, you know, you know, several thousand, you know. Twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year fishing close to home, and and uh, so it's honestly, I mean, like the Alabama Bass Trail One Hundred, we're fishing Sunday at Logan's, a one day event. First place is is twenty five thousand, and they'll pay back uh, through twenty. And so, honestly, I with the age of the kids, I hate missing baseball games. I hate missing volleyball games, and I, I don't I don't know that I ever will. What'd you say? He's eleven. He's eleven. Well, I mean, if the trend keeps going, he'll be on tour in about four years. <laughs> no doubt, because I mean, he is a live scope junkie, and 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 it's amazing, like how good they are. I mean, like you know, of course, he's been he he's all about the spinning rod and, and wacky rig and little little three inch yum Scottsboro tackle swim bait, and you know, he and I've made he's fished he's made the the fishers have been legacy national championship the last two years actually the last three years we, we didn't fish it one year because of some storms but um he loves it i, mean, I posted a picture the other day you know on a, it popped up on on my memory where like it was nearly a hundred this year in that fisher's a man legacy and like he he fished he stood in the life well that didn't have any fish in it and and fished half the time standing in the live well where he could stay wet and it was kind of funny uh, has forward facing sonar made guiding easier, tougher, different? Do you not? I mean, are you a guy who stands up there and tells guys where to cast, or what? Are you, are you, like I said, you got two hundred days a year. What are your thoughts on how that has affected the guide industry? You know, of course, a lot of people want education. I do. I do a lot mm-hmm. of electronics education trips, and and um, it's primarily with hummingbirds, and and um, man, it's it's. It, it's really eye-opening how much people want to learn on stuff. And like last year, I mean, a lot of people are, I mean, yes, that's a topic that comes up 
if it's if a guy's a fairly serious fisherman there that's he is all about wanting to learn as much possible about live scope but you don't like last year i had a regular uh on at july at gunnersville and this was just kind of blew me away like we had a really great day he and his dad each caught one of them caught two over two large mouth over six one of them caught one nearly seven and the most memorable fish and the fish that he talked about the most was a fish that he saw by his worm on the live scope and it was a two pounder and like that was the fish of the trip he was most excited about and i'm like you know like you know i was kind of like man you got a seven you got it you know you caught a 614 today and he's like man that was neat seeing that that fish eat my bait and it was a two pounder mm-hmm. so it, it is it has changed it some uh people that's one of the things if if you feel like that people go away satisfied when they've learned when they take when they feel like they've learned at least one thing in a day and, and live scope has been one of those things that people have really wanted to you, you try to focus on them learning something that day with live scope uh in my opinion gunnersville is an underrated spotted bass fishery true or false 100 percent. 100 percent. and they're and they're getting bigger over there um you know matt heron was sending me some pictures of some some really good ones he was catching this winter there and and i mean that there's you know i've had a i've had a guy catch one over five there and <laughs> it, it's amazing how how you know they're they're pretty reliable too on some places you ever have a guy who's like hey i want to go spot fishing spotted bass fishing you ever had a spotted bass trip or is that <laughs> that one would be a new one because that would be me that would be me jimmy <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's funny. You get all kind. You know, it's that's that's kind of one of those things. You know, I had a guy years ago, Wilson Fraser. You probably remember him when he was with the travel with the Elite Trail, yep, and and uh, yep. he always said that the best way to learn something was to teach it. And at times, those little surprise deals like that kind of force you to to have to think and, and make you. I mean, it helps you as well. You know. When we were on uh, the, that open two, three years ago on Pickwick, I finished 42nd, all spots. Yeah. So I was the only guy who I think weighed in all spots that tournament. <laughs> it was... You know, I finished 13th in that one. And um, the first day I weighed in, you know, it's, it's the Super Slam. All three? I had, uh, huh? All three. I had all four. Oh, Mean Mouth. I had a mean, I had a four pound Mean Mouth. I had right at 20 that day and, um, and, and had all four. That's the super slam. So the grand slam is the three. The super slam is the mean mouth mixed in, which would be a mix between, was it a small yeah. mouth and a spot? Small mouth and a spot. That's freaking cool. They're so pretty too, man. And, you yeah. know, I know like the TWRA, they're, they're kind of worried about how much they're going to dilute the small mouth genes, but, you know, the, the spots that are getting into Pickwick, uh, they're Coosa strains. You know, the ones that's come in over the last 15 years or so, they're Coosas. So they're a lot bigger and they're the, those those mean mouth are so pretty. I actually weighed in. I think I weighed in all four species both days. Hmm. And then the smallmouth on Wheeler to me seemed kind of like ghosts. You like- know, but honestly, and, and that's one of those things that that. um guiding on gunner on wheeler the least wheeler's also my favorite from a tournament standpoint and um 
a lot of times I'll concentrate on 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 smallmouth, you know, and, yeah. and like when I when I won that ABA national championship back in you know years ago, I weighed in. And, and like that was the, that was 580 boats in that. And I weighed in 13, <laughs> 13, uh, 580 people. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, weighed, I was going to say. Yeah, it was, a, it was crazy. You know, it was 580 people that, you know, that's actually where I met Clark ring for the first time, you know, and, um, that was, I weighed in 13 out of 15 of the fish. I weighed in were smallmouth in that tournament. And, and uh, that's just, Wheeler smallmouth are different. They're they are more nomadic. They will come. They will leave you in a heartbeat. They will leave you in a heartbeat. But they are. If you can figure them out, you can do really well on them. They will. All right. Uh, for more information, if they want to get in the boat with you on Wheeler, Wilson, Pickwick, Gunnersville, do you do any other like request TVA fisheries, or are those the four that you primarily like to? Those stick are with? the four I do. I do a few a few trips a year, uh, especially corporate trips that. On uh, Smith, you know, like uh, Brent Crow, one of the other ones I guide with, he guides a lot on Smith. So he'll do some corporate stuff down there and I'll help him. But I typically is just as part of other group. That's the only other lake I really guide on. Yeah, I guess you don't have to go. I mean, that, those four have have pretty much everything you could ask for. Anything else uh, that I'm leaving out here? Social media, uh, Facebook page. Uh, yes, Jimmy Mason Fishing. And same with the, Instagram is J Mason Fishing. Yeah. And then uh, JimmyMasonBassPro.com to check it out. Uh, Jimmy, thank you uh, greatly. Absolutely, like said, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on. It's uh, definitely, it's one of those things, you know, uh, a person comes to North Alabama, we get, I give me a con contact me. I get special rates and a number of the hotels and, and um, can save you some money there and some of the VRBOs and you have a great time and, and have the chance of catching the smallmouth or largemouth of a lifetime. I've had, you know, client catch a 10 pounder and, uh, uh quite a few nines over the years and it's 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 a very awesome area of the lake uh, of the country to fish and you get to do it doing a lot of cool things too a lot like every technique you've ever seen on a Bassmaster show or an mlf show you can do that somewhere on these fisheries 100 percent, 100 percent. all right jimmy thanks for jumping on at guide day with btl as we wrap things up we will be back on uh monday with a live show, Gerald Spore, BPT Pro, is on, and he is going to do an entire show talking about how you can still make a living in this industry without doing social media. Interested in that one. He reached out with me. He said, can I get on and talk about this? I'm passionate about it. So I said, absolutely. So that's what we'll have. Uh, until then, we will talk to everybody on Monday. Jimmy, thanks again. Greatly appreciate Thank it. You. Everybody stay warm. See ya.